Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Mary Kay Cabot and I are talking AFC North and how the Browns can win it. Well, actually what we do is we each throw out a reason why they will win it and a reason why they won't win it, and then we discuss those reasons. Now, remember, they need help on Sunday from the Chiefs and the Rams, and then they need to win their next two games to try and win this division at 9-8. and eight. So these next two weeks have the potential to be very interesting. And if you want to follow along with everything we do, not just the stories we write on the site, everything, you got to be a Football Insider subscriber. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. And you can be one of our text subscribers where we send out analysis, news, all sorts of things uh, to our text subscribers. So all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Mary Kay Cabin and I talking about the reasons why the Browns will and why they won't win the AFC North. Here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, our football insider subscribers, people on Twitter, everyone is looking at these playoff scenarios. We know the Browns, there's a scenario where if they just went out, they can win the AFC North. Of course, they need help on Sunday. They need the Bengals to lose. They need the Rams to lose. But the question that always comes with it is, why will or won't it happen? So let's try and answer that here on today's podcast. We'll each come, each come up with a reason why it will happen and a reason why it won't. So why don't you go first here? Why will it happen? Why will the Browns win the AFC North? You know, Dan, I've been looking a lot at this defense, digging into numbers, digging into their performance, and thinking a lot about what's going on with this Cleveland Browns defense lately. And I think that's why they will win it. If they can close out these these two games, I think it will be because the defense is coming through in a big way, the way we have seen it do over the last six or seven weeks. I mean, think about this. They went into Green Bay and almost defeated Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, despite the fact that Baker Mayfield threw four interceptions. You have to play some pretty darn good defense for that to happen. And in the second half of that Packers game, they allowed only a field goal on the first drive of the second half, which the Packers got the ball and they could have put that game away. I mean, you score a touchdown there on the the opening drive of the second half when you're up 21 to 12 and it's basically over, right? So they held them to a field goal there. And then on their next three drives, it was three and out, three and out and five and out. And that's pretty remarkable against Aaron Rodgers who has been having another 
NFL MVP caliber season. And I was amazed at how they played because they did not have Jadavian Clowney. They didn't have Ronnie Harrison. They didn't have Malik McDowell. They didn't have John Johnson III. They didn't have Greg Newsom. I mean, they didn't have five starters. And Troy, they didn't even Troy have Hill. Troy Hill. If you want to count right. Troy Hill as a starter. Exactly. So six key guys. But this is a very, very deep defense. And, Dan, you wrote about one of the guys who stepped up so big in that game. You know it. I know it. Every time we looked up, MJ Stewart was out there making some kind of a big play. What a game he had. I mean, that was, uh, that was just a phenomenal performance by, uh, you know, a backup player who stepped up to the plate and really did a phenomenal job in that game to the point where somehow you have to find a way to get MJ Stewart on the field more. I mean, you just have to, that was one of, one of the better defensive performances I've seen this season. Right. So now all of those guys are coming back. We don't know for sure about JJ three, and we don't know for sure yet about Troy Hill who had, he's been cleared from COVID, but he still has a knee injury. JJ three, as we taped this today on Tuesday was on the bikes with his hamstring injury. So we don't know for sure about those two guys. And we also know that Miles Garrett is struggling with his groin injury. But for the most part, they're getting an infusion of talent back on the defense. And it's just one hell of a defense. If they win the AFC North, that's going to be why. Yeah, I, I think the biggest frustration in these last like five games, and Browns have gone two and three, in these games is that the defense has played well enough to win in every single one. So they had that game in new England. And when you left new England, it felt like this thing was fracturing, you know, I, I mean, the defense had had some performances, but they hadn't been like great. And then you got miles Garrett saying no adjustments were made and all of that. They'd given up 45 points and you're starting to wonder like, Oh boy, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know how long this, this defense can hold together. And then they come out and okay. They hold the Lions to 10. That's good. Then you force four interceptions against uh, Lamar Jackson. You score a touchdown in the second Ravens game. You hold the Raiders to 16 points. You know, you can nitpick and say maybe they should have gotten a stop on that final drive, but they played well enough to win that game. And then you mentioned it the way they played in Green Bay in that second half. Even the Devontae Adams drop. You know, I saw another clip of it. Miles Garrett beat his man like that. And he forced, I think, that throw earlier than Aaron Rodgers wanted to throw it and earlier than Devontae Adams expected it and made it really difficult. So even on a drop, you can look and say this defense made a play there. So I, I think that's what's so frustrating, that this defense has played well enough to win all five of these games. And it, it just hasn't happened because the offense has sputtered. Absolutely, Dan. And you know what? I think that, uh, and I'm going to be writing a column about this today or tomorrow, probably tomorrow. It's getting late today. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm, I'm going to write this, and I really believe this in my, in my heart, that uh, this defense is playing championship caliber football. I really, truly believe that. They are playing so well uh, that, that I think that, you know, they can give any offense a really difficult time. I mean, if you can give Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers that kind of a game, then I think that you can pretty much do it to anybody. Now we haven't, uh, you know, who knows what they would be able to do against Kansas City, but I think even now uh, they would be able to play better than they did against Kansas City in the opener. 
and better than they have in some of the games that they play because they just continue to get better and better. Some of the reasons for that include the fact that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is starting to get really, really good and disruptive. Now, he misses some tackles here and there. He's not perfect, but he makes up for those mistakes with big plays and with his speed. Uh, so he's looked really good. Uh, we have mentioned Denzel Ward. He's having a lockdown corner Pro Bowl season. This season that I have watched him play in the last 10 games or so is the best football I've ever seen him play as a Cleveland Brown. Better than his rookie year. He, he's locked down. He has money this year. And then he has also added in the interceptions. In his second half of the season, he has three interceptions. In you know, It was in a span of four weeks, and it resulted in two victories, and they were a big part of those victories. One of those was the 99-yard pick six that just totally rattled the Bengals and took them off of their game. It just rattled them, and, uh, and it was a huge, huge play in that game, obviously. And I think it, I just think it completely, uh, you know, just racked the brains of Jamar Chase, who never seemed to be the same after that. Uh, Joe Burrow, I, I don't know. It just, it really was the game changer, of course. So there's that. And then you have Miles, uh, you know, coming up with his, you know, sack strip, you know, sack strip, scoop and score against the Ravens. Um, you know, these guys have just put it together. And here's one major thing that's been on, on my mind about this. Everyone has been raving about, no pun intended, has been raving about the Bengals' offensive performance against the Ravens. Well, that Ravens' defense is held together with tape and glue and <laughs> string and whatever else right now. I mean, this, is, this was not Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and the uh the defense that that we all have seen over the past few years from the baltimore ravens and that bengals offense you know they they better consider how they achieved what they did in that game before they get a little too high on themselves because if they think that the cleveland browns are going to be anything like the ravens defense then they're going to be sadly mistaken. The Cleveland Browns, who gave them fits in the first game on November 7th in a 41-16 victory in Cincinnati, three takeaways, five sacks. The Browns defense is playing even better now than it was back then. And it stands to get everybody back by that Bengals game. By then, you might have John Johnson back. He might even be back for the Monday night, Greg Newsom could be back. You could have a full, full complement of defenders for that game. And it could be a rude awakening for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to run up against what I think right now is a dominant defense. Okay. So I, I think we'll probably get to the Browns offense here. So I'm, I'm going to save that one um, because I, mine, the reason the Browns won't, one of the reasons I was going to give was had to do with the Cincinnati Bengals. So mm -hmm. you're right. The Bengals put up huge numbers against a skeleton Ravens crew. Unfortunately mm -hmm. for the Browns, they only scored 17 points against that skeleton Ravens crew, but I think we'll probably be getting to that. To me, one of the reasons the Browns might not win the AFC North maybe has nothing to do with them and everything to do with 
maybe Joe Burrow is going to make that leap here in the next two weeks and just sort of prove that he's that guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Puts up 525 yards um, against that Ravens defense after Wink Martindale. I didn't think he said anything inflammatory necessarily, but Joe Burrow said after the game it wasn't necessary. That's probably fair. But puts up 525 yards. They run up the score a little bit in that game. And this is sort of a moment for Joe Burrow. And I think if we learned anything about Burrow at LSU, it's when that moment's there, he's, he might have that little, that little bit in there to kind of seize it and, and take advantage of it. So he's going to go to Kansas City. That game might be a shootout. I'm really curious to see how the Bengals play in that game because this is a team that can never win three games in a row. They've never been able to get over that hump. This is such a great test for them. So outside of the implications for the Browns, I just want to see how the Bengals handle this moment. And I want to see, like, is Joe Burrow going to kind of make that leap to now not just be that guy that, hey, everybody really likes and thinks is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but actually goes out there and says, hey, I'm here. I've arrived. I'm there. And I think that's that could be the thing out of the Browns' control that just keeps them out of winning this division. Yeah. And you know what, Dan, I agree with you 100%. That could be uh, the nail in the coffin for the Cleveland Browns is Joe Burrow and that steely look in his eyes and that attitude, that gamer, that, you know, just that winning vibe that he has about him. And uh, I I do agree with you that there is something, uh, you know, there's something pretty special about him. We've seen that from the very beginning when when Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield got in that shootout last year in Cincinnati, I mean, he brought it and he did not have the support of the team around him. That is when, and I've said this several times, that is when several of his defensive players, Carlos Dunlap and those guys were (laughs) over on the, uh, on the sidelines, putting their houses up for sale. Uh, And they, you know, they decided that, you know what, we are not going to participate in this football game. And that wasn't fair because Joe Burrow strapped that Bengals team onto his back and almost won that football game almost single-handedly. He's a gamer, okay? He is a gamer, and you're right. I think that he's playing with a lot of confidence right now, and if there's any possible way that he can pull this off, he's going to do it. But I, what I think he's going to need to do, Dan, is I almost think that he's go- going to need to do it on Sunday against the Chiefs. That game actually is in Cincinnati. And I think that that football team is going to have to understand that they don't want to leave it up to having to travel to Cleveland, go into First Energy Stadium against Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, John Johnson, Grant Delpit, JOK, and that scary defense in Cleveland and have to try to win that game. It's not going to be easy to beat the chiefs. Of course, they've just won eight games. They would have to catch the chiefs on like almost an off day because they don't need it as much. It's not do or die for them, but the Bengals, the Bengals know that they can pretty much clinch the AFC North if they go out and win that football game. And then they don't have to worry about, they don't have to worry about beating the Browns in Cleveland because if they beat the Chiefs, 
they are basically sending the Cleveland Browns home. The Browns are not going to get a wild card spot, right? Can we both agree on that, Dan? Yeah, it, it, they would need miracles upon miracles. To, right. So there's so many tiebreakers and they're so far behind already. Now you got Miami in the mix. They're, yeah, the wild card is out of the question. Right. So if the Bengals can get to 10 victories, they are, they are sending the Cleveland Browns home and they know how much that would mean to them. I mean, they would know that's it. They're winning and they're not putting themselves behind the eight ball to have to come into Cleveland and try to win that game. They know, I mean, you know, they know what this defense is all about because of what it did to them in that first meeting. And they probably want no part of that. They have two chances to wrap this thing up and get it done. And obviously they would like to get it done in their first leg of, of that two game stretch. Uh, not going to be easy. Absolutely not going to be easy because the chiefs seem so unbeatable right now. My goodness, they look, you know, like the world beaters again, it's, it's just phenomenal to watch them. Um, but you're right. It's time for Joe Burrow to step up and, and show what he's made of. Um, how many touchdown passes does he have now? He had four in that game. Um, I, you know what? Hold on. I've got, a, I've got his pro football reference pulled up here. Uh, 30 touchdowns. Now he does that. He does lead the league in interceptions. He has 14 interceptions, but he's thrown 30 touchdowns. He's completed almost 70% of his passes. He's at 4,165 yards. Right. So 30 touchdowns. Think about that. That is double the amount of touchdowns that Baker Mayfield has right now. He has twice as many touchdown passes as Baker Mayfield. And he stands to not, uh, not win the AFC North. If, if they do not beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they have to come into Cleveland and try to get past that defense, the guy with the 30 touchdown passes might have, and you know, have the guy with the 15 touchdown passes this season who has not played well at all win the AFC North. So there's a lot on young Joe Burrow's shoulders right now, but I think he's, he's, there's something about him. He seems like he has ice in his veins and, you know, he just might be able to pull it off, but I think they are sadly mistaken if they think they can lose to Kansas city and then just slide into Cleveland and beat the Browns and go home happy. I, I think it would be very difficult to win that game. I, you know, I, I keep thinking about that Chargers game a few weeks ago when Justin Herbert and the Chargers um, took Kansas City to overtime and, and they lost. And I think, I think Justin Herbert is a more talented quarterback than Joe Burrow. But I think Joe Burrow is certainly in that discussion and like just has, he's just got that little something. You know, and, and frankly, I think he's got more playmakers than, you know, the Chargers have a bunch of guys, but you look at that receiving core Cincinnati has and Joe Mixon and they've got some real weapons there. And that's why I, I just, I'm not ready to sit here and say that Cincinnati doesn't have a chance in that game. I think they absolutely can win that game at home over the Chiefs. You know, I know we all have that Steelers game fresh in our mind, but, you know, the, this Chiefs win streak hasn't been you know, they beat the Packers 13 to seven, uh, but then they, you know, they blew out a team like the Raiders, the Giants, the Raiders twice, actually, they beat the Broncos. 
you know, outside of that win over the Chargers and that win over the Packers, it hasn't been like, whoa, they're just destroying teams. So I, it wouldn't shock me if Cincinnati won that game. I'll just say that. I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't predict it because I think Kansas City's playing really well. And I think they're, they're probably the best team in the AFC right now. But I think Cincinnati, like, go seize this, Joe. Like, this is your moment. Go seize this moment. And if he goes and lays an egg, then, you know, he, he deserves any criticism he gets too. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a good matchup. It seems like a really good matchup because uh, both defenses are playing pretty well. Kansas City's defense has gotten really good. Uh, you know, so so that's not going to be easy by any stretch. Joe Mixon, I mean, Joe Mixon is going to have to really come up big for this football team. And Jamar Chase is going to have to come up big. And T. Higgins, I mean, these guys are going to have to uh, just decide that here and now they're going to seize the moment and not – give themselves a really, really super tough assignment and potentially blow it in the final game of the season. So, so much at stake on Sunday. I mean, by the time the Browns, by the time the Browns go into Pittsburgh on Monday night, I mean, isn't it mind blowing that in that moment, it could already be decided that they cannot win the AFC North. They might know on the bus ride. (laughs) They might know on the bus ride. You're right. I mean, it's just unbelievable what is at stake uh, this coming weekend and and how this might go. And, um, you know, the way that the league set this up with all these division games at the very end like this, boy, they sure knew what they were doing, right? Because, I mean, everybody in every city is on the edge of their seat. I mean, in fact, Dan, the whole AFC North can still win the (laughs) AFC North. Two weeks to go. Well, we're, I mean, we're, we're doing a whole podcast on why the team in last place yeah. can win the division. Exactly. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, whom nobody gave a chance in hell to this season, also can still win the AFC North, right? I mean, come on. They can all still, so still win the AFC North. Now, you know, it's kind of, it's probably even more unlikely for them, but not impossible. Absolutely not impossible. They just have to beat the Browns at home and then they have to beat the Ravens and the Ravens are broken and the Cleveland Browns going into Heinz field in potentially uh, Ben Roethlisberger's probably Ben Roethlisberger's last game. You know, if they can feed off of their emotion and really bring it and give Ben the proper send off, in, in Heinz Field, where the energy is just going to be electric, you know, I mean, that, you know, that could be, that could be a tough out for the Browns. Well, we, we, we didn't discuss this beforehand. I'm not sure if you're going to go there yet, but after we do the break, we'll, uh, we'll talk about why the Browns won't win the AFC North, but we also know half the Browns. You talked about the defense, but the other half of the Browns, when we mm-hmm. talk about things that are broken, that half might be broken as well, but we'll, we'll probably be getting into that here after the break. And back on the orange and Brown talk podcast, Mary Kay, I don't know if you're going to throw me a curveball here, but it's your turn. Why won't the Browns win the AFC North? Well, Dan, you know me well enough now by now <laughs> to know that I always take the low hanging fruit when I have the opportunity. I don't to- think this, I don't think this is low hanging fruit. <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, if, if they don't do it, it is because of their broken passing game. 
it is because of their quarterback who we just watched not only throw four interceptions in Green Bay, you rewatched a lot of the game. I rewatched a lot of the game, even, you know, that on that last drive on that breakup to um, Dearness Johnson by the linebacker that could have been intercepts intercepted. There was another drop by Eric Stokes right through his hands. Uh, the two point pass almost picked off. So, um, you know, he could have thrown seven passes out of his 21 completions, you know, in addition to his 21 completions to the opposition. So what, what Baker Mayfield is going to show up in Pittsburgh and what Baker Mayfield is going to show up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I wrote a whole column about this yesterday. I did a lot of numbers. I, I dug into a lot of different things and you know, I do believe that Baker Mayfield has been hurt by a lot of extenuating circumstances this season. If you gave him, if you just gave him T Higgins and Jamar Chase, I mean, he'd probably be a different quarterback or give him Devonte Adams or Justin Jefferson or somebody like that. I mean, maybe again, and when we talked about this yesterday, you kind of laughed and said, or Odell Beckham Jr. And that was a great point, but I still think that it's not a good receiving core right now. It's, it's just not, it's not a good receiving core. What came first, the chicken and the, or the egg? Is it not a good receiving core because your quarterback is having such a dog of a season? Or do they need three really good new receivers and a new scheme where you run a little bit more, you know, three wides and, and air it out a little bit and let Baker do what he does well? We don't know. That's why it's such a tricky evaluation because it's so hard to say. But if Baker Mayfield is the Baker Mayfield that he has been over the last three or four games, and you cited some great statistics yesterday, I don't know if you wrote them down or not, but do, do you have them? Uh, I can, I probably just pulled them off pro football reference. So I can just pull that up Yeah. <laughs> over his, over his last five, he's over his last five. It was right. Going back to yeah. January. Right. Um, okay. Here we go. Going back to new England, his last five because obviously he missed the Las Vegas game. Yeah. 56% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions, a 66.8 rating, and 181.6 yards per game. Yeah. So obviously horrible numbers. And then I went back and looked at his fourth quarter passing and his third down passing. And he's, I think, like 36th in the NFL in fourth quarter passing and last in the NFL in third down passing right now. His third down passing is, and I, I think I probably have these in my notebook that's right in front of me here. His third down passing uh, is, is so bad that, um, I mean, it's, it's almost surprising that, that Kevin Stefanski hasn't thought about benching him with some of these numbers. So yeah, here he is. Last in the NFL in third down passing with a 48.3 rating, two touchdowns, and six interceptions, a 50.5% completion percentage on third down, your money down. I mean, really, but will he be better if Kareem Hunt comes back? I don't know if Kareem Hunt come, can come back. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to be able to be back, but I mean, that would help. But, you know, he's just off. Teams are, uh, defenses are playing him differently. They are not letting him get out and roll out. And, and have all that space and time. And, and the Steelers, 
you know, the Steelers do a pretty nice job. They match up pretty well against the Browns when it comes to that. And the Browns, again, they don't have Jack Conklin uh, protecting Baker Mayfield. Jed Wills will just be coming back off of COVID-19. He's going to be a little bit rusty, I think. Um, so these guys are going to try to exploit off of the edges. They're going to keep try to keep Baker from rolling out. They're going to try to keep him in the pocket, but they're going to try to bat down some balls. They're going to try to get that pressure and they're going to try to give Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden an opportunity and maybe even Joe Schobert a chance to intercept Baker Mayfield. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to harass the hell out of him. And, and go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say um, the Steelers are Steelers are actually surprisingly low. I wish I was surprised when I looked it up at 20th and takeaways, but over their last one, two, three, four, five, over the five games before the Chiefs game. So they didn't force a turnover against the Chiefs. But in the five games prior, uh, it was six interceptions. Mm. And then they also forced three fumbles against Tennessee. That was a weird game. But they had six interceptions in the five games prior to the Chiefs game. So those turnovers, you know, like you always say, Mary Kay, they come in bunches. They were starting to come in bunches for the Steelers. Yeah, and you know what, Dan? I'll tell you what. If T.J. Watt is a little bit healed up from the cracked ribs that he suffered two games ago against the Titans. It's a different football game. It's a completely different football game. If you have that guy playing lights out, right? I mean, it's just like when miles takes over a game or Aaron Donald takes over a game or Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa or any of those guys, if he can get going downhill and, 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 tee off on, you know, maybe one of these, you know, backup offensive linemen, or we don't even know if JC Treader is going to be back yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that he will be back because they have changed the protocols and now you only need a five day window instead of a 10 day window. So I'm going to say JC Treader is going to be back and that will help the Browns, but you'll, you're still going to have probably James Hudson starting in place of Jack Conklin and then you're going to have Jed Wills back. And like I said, Jed hasn't had uh, the Pro Bowl type of season the Browns hoped that he would. And if, um, if these guys can get pressure, if they can get pressure, and if they can kind of stop the run a little bit, then they can give Baker a long afternoon. We, we didn't really talk about this, but, you know, so Saturday – you know, I asked Kevin if he thought about replacing Baker at halftime. And then, you know, I asked him later if he was considering making a change, period, like just moving past this game. And he said no in both instances. And, you know, I bring this up carefully because I'm not saying this as like Case Keenum is some sort of savior or some sort of answer. But I guess what is what does it take for him to make that move? Because at some point, you know, and Doug likes to say, and I do agree with him, the ceiling on Baker is much higher, but if he's throwing four interceptions, <laughs> you know, it starts to be like, well, is Case going to throw four interceptions? Or I, I don't know. Does, does there come a point where Kevin has to consider that? Well, I mean, it's do or die. Yes. Yes, um, yes I, I, I do think that he has to consider that because of some of the things that we're talking about. I mean, if you can't stay on the field on third down and your rating is 48.3 on third down, you know, can, can case Keenum do better on third down? 
Maybe. Can he do better than two touchdowns and six interceptions on third down? I would you know think what? so. <laughs> I mean, I would think I would potentially think so too. And in terms of the interceptions, um, Baker Mayfield has started to throw interceptions. So over his last, uh, and again, I have these numbers all written down somewhere, but over his last. Um, I actually, I actually still have it up. So even, so if you take out, let's just take out the green Bay game where he yeah. threw four, obviously he had yeah. thrown four in four games. Yes. Prior yes. to that. Right. And in his first eight games of the season, he only threw three. He only threw three in his first eight games. And that's why, you know, you always wonder why is Kevin Stefanski being so conservative? Well, maybe now we know. Right, Dan? Maybe now yeah. we know. You've been saying this all season. Maybe Gunslinger Baker isn't good Baker. Maybe Gunslinger Baker isn't, even though he wants to be that guy, maybe that's not the guy that he is. In the Green Bay Packers game, he was two for 10 for 40 yards with four interceptions on throws of 10 plus yards down the field, according to ESPN stats and info. Is that not a stat or what? Now, part of it is that he doesn't have the downfield threat right now. He, he doesn't have yeah. that guy. Like he doesn't have that guy. So partially it's not his fault. They've tried to turn Donovan Peoples-Jones into that guy and it's not working. And now they're going to have to turn, they're going to have to try to throw deep to Anthony Schwartz to loosen up these defenses a little bit. If you want Nick Chubb to be able to run the ball the way that you want him to run the ball, you've got to be able to show that you can pass the ball and pass it more than 10 yards. Just have to be able to do that. So they're going to have to make Anthony Schwartz grow up really, really fast so that he can take some of the deep ball pressure off of Donovan Peoples-Jones. And we talked about this in the postgame pod. They played a lot more 11 on, uh, on Saturday. 65% of their snaps, this is on Warren Sharp's site, 65% of their snaps were in 11. And I actually think that number is misleading because I don't think these sites that track it are counting Demetric Felton as a wide receiver. So oh. I think when Felton comes on, now he didn't play a ton. I think he played maybe six snaps or something. But I think they're looking at him as a running back. So I think it might even be four or five more snaps beyond the, the 43 that they have here that they played in 11 personnel. So um, again, it just goes back to, they did open up the offense a little more on Saturday and it just, it didn't, it helps the run game, but unfortunately it didn't help the pass game. And because I just don't think they have the horses right now. Now. Um, so um, Rashard Higgins kind of resurfaced in this game a little bit and that will help them. I mean, Baker needs somebody like that that he can, um, you know, that he can rely on. You've got to have somebody that's going to catch that ball for you on a consistent basis. And we talk about um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and it was just so weird because he caught only one of six targets in that game for five yards. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, but Richard came through a little bit. Jarvis came through with, with four catches. Not great, but, you know, it was something. Um Jarvis, I mean, we haven't heard from Jarvis. Don't you find that a little odd? Yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> What's up with that? I, I don't know. The, the, the only time we've heard from Jarvis since the Odell thing was um, when you guys talked to him at his um, Thanksgiving event. Right. Other than that, it's, it's been all quiet with Jarvis. It's, it's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre that we're not hearing from him at all. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, I, I don't really, you know, we don't really know exa exactly what's going on there because as you know, people probably realize we're not in the locker room this year. So you can't just walk <laughs> up to a guy anymore and say, Hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Um, you know, right now, those, uh, those days are in cold storage. Hopefully we'll get them back, but the receiving core hasn't been anywhere near what you would want it to be if you're trying to go to a Super Bowl. And some of these guys are just going to really have to step up over these next two weeks. Okay. So, you know, mine was going to be before I turned this into a Cincinnati Bengals podcast there in the first half, uh, <laughs> my, my, why the Browns will win the AFC North. It's kind of just along these same lines. So I, I guess I, I'm going to pose this as a question. Why should we believe that Baker Mayfield is going to turn into the Baker Mayfield we saw in the second half of last year? Because I think that's part of why it will happen. Although there, I guess now that I'm saying that out loud, there's another path of it that I thought of, but I, I think it, I don't know. I think it's going to be about Baker. Well, it's, you're right. It's going to have to be about Baker. And I think there's one, one way that he, um, you know, that he will get better. And that is, I do, I do think, and maybe we put too much, uh, maybe we put too much on Kareem Hunt, but I do think having Kareem Hunt really gives you an outlet pass. It gives you uh, more in the running game. It gives you some blocking. It gives you some uh, receiving ability out of the backfield. So I do think he would really help a lot, but I don't know. I don't know if, you know, I don't know what kind of an ankle injury he suffered in that game. It, you know, if it's a high ankle sprain, it will be hard for him to come back, but he's such a, a warrior and a trooper. I mean, if he, if there's any possible way he can play, he is going to be playing. Uh, so I think that could help Baker uh, a little bit more Richard, you know, why not? Why not? seems like Richard woke up a little bit. They need to get more out of the tight ends. I mean, they just need to get more yes. receiving production out of the tight ends. My goodness. David Njoku, zero for two targets, zero yards. Come on. And Austin Hooper, 26 yards on three carries. So you're talking about a total of seven targets to your, to those two tight ends, not even, well, let's throw Harrison Bryant in there while we're at it. Eight targets to your tight ends. Okay. Eight targets to your tight ends for a total of 27 yards and a total of three, four catches, four catches for 27 yards out of your three tight ends. What? I mean, how is that going to get you anywhere? I mean, if your receiving core isn't what you need it to be, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is clearly off, then certainly, certainly you need those tight ends to step up and you need to be hitting some of those passes over the middle. And part of it was Baker. I think Baker was off in some ways, you know, his pace, his passes were not accurate in Green Bay. Okay, so I'm going to throw one more at you because I thought of this as I, as I was talking about this, as, as I was throwing out the Baker thing. And since we spent so much time on it, and this has sort of been a topic this week too, I, I brought this up before, but what if Kevin Stefanski and his offensive staff sat around this week when the players were off and they, and they decided, here's how we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to put on some film of the Indianapolis Colts and we're going to become the Colts. We're going to play really good defense. We're going to just hand the ball to Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, 
carried the ball 32 times against Buffalo, 32 against Houston, 29 against New England, 27 against Arizona. The only outlier was against Tampa. Carson Wentz has been throwing the ball a lot less, 20 against Buffalo, 22 against Houston, 12 against New England, 28 against Arizona the other night. What if, what if we just become the Indianapolis Colts and just pound teams with our offensive line and Nick Chubb and maybe Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson and play really good defense and just see what happens over the next two weeks? Why not? I mean, why not? Those teams have given you the blueprint to try it, right? I mean, if it's good enough for Bill Belichick and it's, it's good enough for the Colts to do what they're doing, why not? Why not try it? I mean, it's do or die. You've got to win these two football games or a team that was supposed to go to the Super Bowl is going to be sitting home during the postseason. So, I mean, why not? Your passing game is, is getting you absolutely nowhere. And now, especially if you have Kareem Hunt back, you can keep Nick Chubb fresh and healthy throughout the game. He was tired in the fourth quarter yeah. of that game. And, you know, not, I mean, he was tired. So you don't want that to happen again. But maybe you can do that with a combination of Nick, Kareem, and Dearness Johnson. Keep him fresh, roll him through there, and just pound away. I mean, I think there were opportunities to do it against Green Bay. We spent time on that final drive yesterday um, and, and why we, we kind of thought Kevin did the right thing on the final drive. But there, there were some opportunities maybe earlier in that game for the Browns. to. I mean, they were getting chunks of yardage on the ground against the mm-hmm. Packers. Does that happen against the Steelers? I don't know. But it, we kind of know what the strength of this team is right now. Maybe you just minimize your quarterback and just see where it takes you. Yeah, and I mean – I I think I'm actually in the minority in terms of thinking that, okay, trying a couple of passes there when you got to the 50, you know, it wasn't the worst thing in the world to do. I mean, what would anybody be saying if, you know, if the Dearness Johnson got knocked back four yards because they read the play and thought, Oh, they're just going to run the ball here because they're being so successful running the ball. So let's you know, stack the line and just all pounce on Dearness Johnson here on first and 10 from the 50 and knock him back five yards. I mean, that could have happened. That's not, that's not out of the realm of possibility thinking that, you know, it's coming and you're going to do everything that you can to possibly stop it. So, you know, what would people have been saying if, if they, you know, put themselves uh, behind the sticks like that. So, but, but still, <coughs> excuse me, I think I'm in the minority and maybe you are too a little bit, Dan, in thinking that the play calling wasn't as bad as the execution was. Um, so, but, you know, having said that, I, I'd be all for trying it and, and seeing what you can accomplish in that regard. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, like I said, we, we talked about it yesterday. I think based on where you had to get to try a field goal, you, you were going to have to throw the football. Um, so, you know, maybe you could have run it once, but like Baker was going to have to make some throws and throws were there. There were two throws there for him to make and he mm-hmm. didn't make them. And then he threw the interception. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> I, again, I, I didn't have an issue with it. And I'm not usually like go run the ball 35 times 
you know, I think you do need to pass, but like, it's, this is it. This is the playoffs. Like Joel Batonio said, the playoffs start Monday night if the Browns are still alive on Monday night. So if mm-hmm. that means you got to hand Nick Chubb the ball 30 times to win, then you better hand the ball to Nick Chubb 30 times. Absolutely, 100%. And it would also be, uh, you know, you would be catching, you'd probably be catching the Steelers off guard with that. They're probably not thinking that you're going to do that. Um, so, so it really would be quite the wrinkle in your offensive game plan as well. Um, so yeah, it's, and, and you would keep, you'd keep their offense off the field. And if their offense kind of gets going a little bit, I mean, they do have some weapons. Now, Ben is obviously very, very vulnerable to, um, you know, to getting sacked and stuff like that right now because he doesn't have much of an offensive line, but he does get the ball off very quickly. I don't know. It's, it's, this is going to be very interesting to see how this goes. And like you said, will everything still even be at stake or will it not by that point? Yeah, I think um, that one o'clock game on Sunday, that one o'clock window is going to have pretty high ratings in the state of Ohio, just across the entire state from Cincinnati up to Cleveland. There's going to be a lot of people watching that football game. Okay, there we go. Uh, reasons the Browns will and won't win the AFC North here. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, Got to watch the tape coming your way on Thursday. Back with our preview on Friday. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to, to your podcast, to the Orange Brown Talk podcast, and of course, become a Football Insider subscriber. It's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.